the formula first has to start with what are you really passionate about? Because look, if you're not passionate about this every day, if you don't believe in yourself and believe in the solutions that you're offering, my mindset is very simple. If I don't feel I have a world-class offering in terms of expertise and solutions and impact, I'm not going to offer it. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help consultants, coaches, entrepreneurs, and small business owners build their businesses after long careers as employees. We believe you should be able to do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Khan. Today on Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with the CEO of MCG Partners, Chuck Moeller. In today's episode, you will learn how to be an agile leader and build a business that is modeled to serve your clients and you well. Stay with us to hear all the details. How do you feel about where your business is today? Most of us do our best work in collaborative, supportive environments. Come explore ours. The Smashing the Plateau community can help you build your business through live events, a private communication platform, accountability partners, and lots more resources. Speak to me or one of our community members to learn more. You can schedule a quick conversation at smashingtheplateau.com slash 15. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash 15. Or go to our website, smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Chuck Moeller. Chuck is founder, CEO, executive coach, and advisor at MCG Partners, an organization that specializes in leadership and talent optimization, aligning business and people strategy for maximum results. He is the author of his new and best-selling book, The Rise of the Agile Leader, Can You Make the Shift? And Amazon's number one best-selling book on management. As a recognized expert in leadership effectiveness, a former Harvard Business School executive coach and a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, Chuck specializes in coaching and advising senior global executives and leadership teams through times of rapid growth, M&A, and change. Chuck, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. Thank you for having me here. Oh, it's great to have you on. Can you talk a little bit about your own career and personal journey to kind of get us started? Sure. I'm definitely part of that very large group that uh, that was graduating college trying to figure out what I wanted to do. But I always was uh, drawn to business and the dynamics of business and organizations. I've always liked being a problem solver. I've always liked to learn. I've always been very curious. And I get bored very easily, David. So, so uh, consulting was a really good career path for me. And I spent most of my career in management consulting. And you know, based upon that description, no surprise, I actually bounced across a number of different practices. Most people kind of stick to one practice or methodology. Yeah, no, not me. I started off doing business process reengineering for a year. Then I got involved in some strategy consulting, and then I moved into the change management practice, which I did for a number of years. And then probably about 25 years ago, I got into the leadership development talent management space and I never left. You know, I was fortunate where you know, I did consulting work, I, I managed projects, managed teams, then I got involved, and I, I experimented. I liked, I liked the, the big consulting environment in terms of early in your career, providing some good mentorship and foundation in terms of best practices. And then I did a couple of boutiques, uh, one boutique, I should say, in particular, and then I did a global startup, and I built a practice for a global firm. So I liked, I liked experimenting in my career, 
And I liked, you know, getting exposure to those different, you know, practices and methodologies. And then I, you know, kind of advanced my career to running a practice. I ran business developments. And then I also became the CEO. I, I was a CEO of a global consulting firm for about four or five years. And then we got acquired twice in one year. And then I started my own firm 15 years ago. So I'm a little unique in the sense that I am a, a coach, I'm an advisor, but I also own and run a consulting firm. We've got about 50 people. Yeah, I would say that that is unique. The, a very common path is someone who is in the corporate world or an industry and rises up the career ladder, gets to a point where she or he would prefer to, um, the way I describe it is take more control over their destiny. And um, sometimes they leave voluntarily and sometimes they get pushed out and they use the, the transition as an opportunity to really kind of double down on what it is they love doing, what they're best at doing. And they do it in a, in a coaching format. Often it's solo. Um, sometimes it's in a firm, but often it's solo. And your career trajectory was a little different. Yeah, no, it was. And, uh, you know, but I did design this role in my business to suit what I was interested in. You know, I, I like the idea of having a business and having a team and having a people I can manage and develop and lead and, and, and scale on some level. I decided I did not want to open up offices around the U.S. The country, or, or globally like I had done previously. Because I had, I, at the time, I had three out of my four young children that I wanted to be involved in their quality of life and coach soccer and go to dance recitals and all those things you do as a parent. So I kind of designed the job to fit both my personal lifestyle needs and least desires, but also a role that made sense for me. I kind of came full circle. I've been in the ivory tower for a number of years and I wanted to get back and make a difference with clients again. And I'm still in the business where I'm learning. You know, I'm learning about industries and companies and the challenges that, are, that people are facing in the marketplace. And I think if you have that, I had to say, classic consulting mindset and interest, which is you're motivated by learning, you're motivated by problem solving, you're motivated by making a difference. Uh, you know, it's really kind of a nice fit for me personally, in addition to, you know, running the firm. So yeah, I kind of have this hybrid job, but I, I enjoy that. It, that's, that it, it, it's satisfying for me personally. And I gather, Chuck, that you also have um, a wide variety of interests, both on the kind of work side and on the non, non-work side, I see that um, you were a cranberry grower, owner, yes, yeah. and also board member of several organizations. Yeah. No, I've been involved in a number of boards over the years, both for-profit as well as non-profit. I'm a big believer. I even talk about this in, in my book about making sure you have healthy time in each of our quadrants of life, which essentially is yourself, your family and friends, your community. And then, of course, your work. So I, I like to make sure that I'm spending enough time in each of those quadrants, not just not just one or two. Right. It's really important to living an integrated life. I agree. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about how you came to really double down on your specialty? You do have a pretty broad background, yet you've now really specialized in one area. Yeah, I, you know, for me personally, yes, I specialize in, in what I do in terms of the work I provide to clients as a firm. We're broader. You know, we have essentially three practices. We have a leadership development practice, which includes everything from executive coaching to leadership development to management training to succession planning 
to leadership alignment work. So that's actually fairly broad. Our, our organizational practice is everything from work around culture to work around change. We have a DEI uh, capability in there. Um, we also do work around employee engagements, and we do a lot of work around team effectiveness, team building, including uh, hybrid and virtual workforce effectiveness, which, as you could expect, the last two years has been huge. Uh, we do a lot of work around that. And then our talent practice essentially is assessments, where we do everything from behavioral assessments that we have. We have a tool that we use that we're, uh, we have a uh, long-term sort of global certified partner relationship. And then we also do a lot of 360 assessment, employee engagement surveys. So that's kind of what we call our talent practice. So as a firm, we're actually pretty broad. It allows us to really, David, partner with our clients, especially small or mid-sized companies that really want a partner to help them throughout the talent management lifecycle. We do a lot of work with global and Fortune 500 firms as well, where it's a little more specialized, either around leadership development or executive coaching. And how did you personally decide on your niche in, in the service that you perform with clients? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, as, as I was starting my firm 15, over 15 years ago, uh, I knew that I wanted to be, you know, it was, it was a self-funded, you know, business startup. So I, I was going to do it on my own and I wasn't looking to scale that quickly. So I was experimenting early on my first year to say, okay, what really role I wanted to have. And in that, I kind of knew what my business model was going to be as I already described it. We really haven't changed that business model in 15 plus years. And maybe we've, you know, we've obviously, up, you know, modified and, in, you know, uh, upgraded in terms of best practices and research, including what the book is based upon, which is this new leadership model we, we designed called the Agile Leader. So we, we've continued to make sure we're, we're staying current with what the needs are in the marketplace. But for my role, it really is a reflection about my own experiences as a leader, David. You know, I had, I, I was one of those leaders that got tapped on the shoulder and said, hey, we had a 360 assessment. Um, so my own personal experiences of leading and managing my own trials and tribulations as a manager and the moments where that were very transformational for me to really figure out what leadership meant for me made a huge difference in my career. So based upon those experiences, I thought becoming an executive coach you know, would be a good fit for me. And uh, it's really a combination of coaching and doing some advisory work. That's been a really good fit for me. I've really had, really had such amount of I'm just so grateful to be able to do what I've been doing the last 15 plus years. Dan, um, yeah, congratulations on, on what you've built, the success you've achieved, and also congratulations on the release of your new book. What led you to write it? Yeah, so, you know, I, I asked the question actually right before COVID to my team. I said, you know, what do we think is the future of leadership? And the leadership models hadn't really changed that dramatically the last 10 plus years. And yet the world had been changing rapidly. And this is before COVID. You know, cycles of innovation are getting shorter and shorter. The pace, the intensity of change, you know, the digitalization of business, you know, the multiple generations in the workforce. And then, you know, obviously COVID just accelerated all that, uh, including issues around diversity, equity, inclusion. Uh, you know, the virtual hybrid workforce became an issue. So you have all these things going on. But, so, but what, are leader, what do leaders need to do to be effective? So we, we interviewed CEOs, we interviewed clients, we looked at research. We kind of came up with this, this leadership model that we coined the Agile Leader. So that became the impetus to the book, David. In addition to that, I really wanted to provide a roadmap to help leaders at any level get to the next level. So, you know, for some people, you know, 95% of the roadmap is completely uh, new and transformational. For maybe a very seasoned leader, 
you know, 10% or 20% of the book is going to be very impactful. But the point is, no matter who you are, your background, your level, I want to have a roadmap that's going to be hopefully helpful on a very practical level with tools and strategies, methodologies that a person can incorporate in their day-to-day. So that, that was really the, what motivated me to write the book. Chuck, what are some of the techniques that you that the book recommends for leaders who want to be agile? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a number of things. You know, there's definitely the self-awareness component. I mean, that, we've been talking about self-awareness for a lot of years. That's not new. But how do you really apply that in a very practical way? And by the way, what techniques and tools are not necessarily new either are you doing in terms of how you ask for feedback and how you focus on what you're developing? And, and frankly, if you're not focusing on self-development, you're letting yourself down, including your organization, your team. And I think one of the challenges I've seen, especially the last few years, David, with a lot of leaders, is they don't recognize that leadership and managing in itself is a skill, in itself is a profession, okay? A lot of people, because they're bright, they're a highly competent individual contributor, they're incredibly successful as a performer, you know, they're thrust into management very often, and they're in it for a lot of years and advance quickly. And next thing you know, they, they just take for granted that, you know, management leadership is just part of their mindset or part of their personality. In itself, it's a skill, it's a profession. And, and if you take that mindset of understanding that, how do I continue to get better as a manager leader, as a skill, as a profession, that's how you're going to continue to develop yourself. The moment you think, hey, I've kind of reached the pinnacle of my expertise, that's when you let yourself down for potential failure because it's a, it's a constant lifelong approach of learning and development. So I think that's, to me, one of the most critical elements. And I talk about that in the book. I cover really a lot of material in the book. There's like 20, I can't remember how many chapters, like 26. So I cover a lot of different sections, David. One thing in particular I talk about is triggers. I've done a lot of work and I've come up with my own methodology and how people have to manage their emotions and manage their triggers. Now, whether you're very intense and very sort of assertive personality or you're very, very low-keyed and laid back and calm, we all have triggers and it all impacts on how we interact, respond, develop relationships and address specific situations. I talk about conflict. I talk about managing uh, multiple generations and managing a hybrid workforce, a virtual workforce. So I, I really cover a lot of you know managing change. So I really cover, to me, I try to cover really the critical aspects of managing leading in today's work environment. And again, trying to give people some really practical tools and techniques on how to be effective. Chuck, what are some examples of um, some leaders that follow this kind of methodology and have done really well? That's a really great example. I think a couple of things. I think a leader that I know in particular, and I use this metaphor in my book. As you know, we we and I, I like to be visual, right, and get people to close their eyes and visualize. In a lot of ways, a leader is a surfer, right? Now, now I may not resonate with a lot of people, but let me kind of continue. What I mean by that is, and I'm not a surfer, which is even funnier. And I'm using that as a as a metaphor. But my point here is that when you're surfing, you have no idea what's going to go on in the ocean at any given day, frankly, any given moment, whether it's the conditions of the ocean, you know, the direction of the waves, the choppiness, or a storm brewing. As a surfer, you're, you're surfing in chaos, essentially. The key is balance. How do you find balance on that surfboard? Well, guess what? In life, it's, it's kind of similar, right? As a leader, you're swimming very often in an ocean in your organization. You don't know what direction your business is going in, what's the business climate, what's going on with your people, uh, the challenges everyone's facing, you've got to create stability. You've got to find a, 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 create a stable environment for your people to feel 
safe, your people that feel you're there to help support them, that they, they're grounded in their environment, even though there's chaos all around us. So I, I try to use that as a, as a visual, but also as, as a methodology for leadership. It, and that really kind of ties into, and I already just said this, kind of creates safe work environment. What does that really mean? Safe work environment means that people feel they can uh, you know, challenge, they can, ma- they can make mistakes, they can fail, they can challenge the status quo, that they're not going to get shot down with their ideas and opinions. They're not going to get thrown out or lose their job or slapped on the wrist if they make a mistake or failure. And the challenge is, we all remember in our careers, you know, we, we learn by failure. When we look back at our careers and our profession, we recognize how we've gotten better is how we've learned to overcome our failures and mistakes. Yet when we get into management, whether it's the pressures of you know, the executive team, or if you are an executive team member and it's the board, or it's your investors or your shareholders, we sometimes put so much pressure, we, can, we forget sometimes the formula for success. And the formula for success is creating an environment where people can thrive and take risk and fail and, and be innovative. Because without innovation, not just in terms of products and services, but internally, you're risking an organization that's going to get stale and that's not going to grow and that's not going to thrive and that people are not going to give uh, you know, beyond discretionary effort. So that's one of the foundations that I, I often talk about. That's a huge challenge. And I love the metaphor, the surfing metaphor about um, trying to achieve balance in a world of chaos. It's so true. No, thank you. Even though uh, I'm not a surfer either. <laughs> well, we all can visualize it, right? We all can visualize it. We all can visualize it. And um, I grew up near the ocean, so I spent a lot of time at the beach. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I think it's important we think about that because, again, if anything, the world continues to be, you know, especially with the access to media and digitalization, everything feels like it's in our backyard. And so how do we create a mindset as well as a work environment and psychologically, where people, again, there's a lot of work out there on psychological safety. And a lot of that's what I'm inferring about how do we create an environment where people feel they, they can do all those things. And we, and we have to remember the relationship between innovation and failure. You know, and, I, and I talk about this a lot, David, which is you know, without failure, there is no innovation. And we sometimes, especially when you get to senior management, we forget about that. We forget about the principles of what, what innovation is all about. Um, that's a really important point, Chuck. I wondered if we could shift and talk a little bit about for someone who is in a consulting role, particularly for those folks that may be earlier on in their consulting business and they're, they're not looking to grow a team as large as yours. How do you choose the right business model? Well, I mean, I think there's, there's got, I'm a kind of a formula person. I think the formula first has to start with what are you really passionate about? Because look, if you're not passionate about this every day, if you don't believe in yourself and believe in the solutions that you're offering, my mindset is very simple. If I can't, if I don't feel I have a world-class offering in terms of expertise and solutions and impact, I'm not going to offer it. It's just too competitive a world out there. doesn't mean that necessarily everyone's going to want to buy from us when it comes to those capabilities. But to me, you know, I feel that we're going to be world-class and, and we're, we're going to continue to, by the way, research and invest in that. And that's so critical in consulting. You just cannot continue to lean on models and solutions that you created five, 10 years ago. You've got to constantly be out there and doing research and evaluating best practices and looking at the future trends, what's needing out there. So that's, that to me is number one. So you've got to be on top of your game. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to be passionate about it and you've got to invest 
in your expertise and your knowledge and think about the future, not just about today, and not overly rely on, on a methodology that you've been using for a number of years. The other second thing that's really critical, and I can give you an example of this, and I will, is where is the demand? So I'll give you an example. One of the things I first did when I created my business, and we still provide it, is I really thought that the future was going to be about new leader onboarding. Because you know, new leaders, especially hired externally, they still fail at a, like a 45% failure rate after 18 months, which is astounding when you think about the impact of productivity, performance, stability, culture, morale, and then performance of your people. There's a, there's a lot of instability, unrest when a, when a new executive comes in from the outside and fails after 18 months for a variety of reasons. So to me, the solution was a new leader onboarding coaching program and toolkit. I thought it was going to be a home run. And guess what? Crickets. You know why? Because in the priority of what companies wanted to spend money on, they all saw the value, but they didn't say, I'm going to spend money on it. So the lesson learned there is, I may think, I may see what the need is, and I may try to convince as many prospects and clients that they need to use this. But at the end of the day, if it's not a demand for them, it's not going to be the right solution. So it sounds like a very simple uh, example, but trust me, I see too many people trying to provide a solution that there's simply no demand in the market for. So the demand in the marketplace is really, really critical. And then third, well, the last thing I'll say, just to keep it simple, is where do you spend your time? Especially because, you know, I think we can agree that the majority of consultants or coaches out there are individuals. So how are you? And it's like the three or four-legged stool, depending on how many legs you want to talk about. We already talked about one of them, which is you know investing in your expertise and investing in your best practices and your and your solutions that you're offering. The second you know leg is obviously delivering work. You know having clients that are working with you and you're you're providing services and you're executing. And remember the cliche, and I use this with my team every time: you're only as good as what you deliver today. It doesn't make a difference what you did yesterday or five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. So make sure that when you're delivering, you're, you're delivering what you're there to deliver, and it's only as good as what you're doing today. And the last, the last tool, or leg, I should say, of that tool is external, building relationships, networking, doing business development, being involved in the business community, finding partnerships and alliances, investing in professional associations. And again, I think what happens to a lot of individuals is they get so busy delivering a project, and they're trying to find balance in their own personal life. But they're not investing in those other two legs. And that's honestly the biggest challenge for any individual versus being part of an organization. Is how do I now? There's a lot of really, really successful people that can do that, but they're all they've also disciplined themselves in a way to be able to make sure they're focusing on each one of those tools or each one of those legs. Excuse me. Yeah. No. The the discipline is really critical to be able to have the balance and then make sure that you're you're feeding what is needed in each area of your business. Agreed. Chuck, is there, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want to share before we close out? No, I, I mean, I think, um, look, there, there's always going to be good days and bad days. There's always going to be good experiences and bad experiences. You know, if there's any advice we give to anybody, don't don't be a little wolf. And what I mean by that is yeah, surround yourself with friends and mentors and associates that are interested in you, that care about you. It doesn't have to be a formal board. It doesn't have to be even a formal advisory group or committee. But make sure you've got people you can talk to that can give you feedback, that can be able to support you or having a bad day or a bad week or maybe even a bad month. So 
you know, stay optimistic, stay positive, believe in yourself. Because guess what? Just like I talked about earlier about leaders and innovation around failure. Guess what? You're going to make mistakes. You're going to sometimes fail. And forgive yourself, accept yourself, uh, learn from that and move on and grow and, and continue to be better. So that's my last piece of advice. Yeah. And I have to say, I was reflecting as you were describing you know, who you need to surround yourself with and why, which is um, one of my primary motivations for founding and, and leading the Smashing the Plateau community for consultants, because it's designed to help consultants and coaches that are primarily working alone. And you do need to spend time with like-minded people who will give you support, give you feedback, point out some solutions you may not have thought about when, you, when you're facing a challenge and, and really just, just be there to help you achieve the kind of things you want to achieve. And you, you can't do it alone. Agreed completely. Yeah. Chuck, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed, um, get a copy of your book or access any resources you have, get in touch with you, where would be the best place to go? Sure. Well, I, I would say connect with me on LinkedIn. Again, it's Chuck Moeller, M-O-L-L-O-R. I have my own website uh, under my name predominantly because of the book, which is chuckmoeller.com. And then, of course, uh, my business, which is mcgpartners.com. So those are the three options in getting in touch with me. Thank you again, Chuck. My guest today has been the CEO of MCG Partners, Chuck Moeller. Thank you, Chuck, for joining us. Well, thanks, David. Uh, pleasure to be here with you today. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. On today's episode with Chuck Moeller, we learned how to be an agile leader and build a business that's modeled to serve your clients and you well. Are you building a community? Check out Circle, the all-in-one community platform for creators and brands. Bring together engaging discussions, members, live streams, chat, events, and memberships all in one place, all under your own brand. Circle is the platform we use in the Smashing the Plateau community. I love the way Circle puts your people, discussions, and content all in one place. Get a free 14-day trial of Circle at smashingtheplateau.com slash circle. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash circle. I'm David Schreiner-Khan. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode. <laughs>